had a great Memorial Day weekend and just a time to get out and enjoy uh, time in God's creation, time in with family, time at the lake or wherever it was that you, you spent your time. Today we come to a topic that is to some people a politically divisive topic, uh, whether you're Republican or Democrat or whatever, I kind of consider myself a Republican and I uh, don't identify with any party. Uh, but it's one of those things that I look for principles uh, to hang my hat on, things worth really, worth really standing up and believing in. And the topic that I share today is one of those topics that, again, in, in, in the po- political arena is a bit of a, of a divisive topic, and uh, it's uh, in part has to do with the Bible that I'm holding in my hand. I'm holding uh, what is on the spine says it's a, the Green Bible, all right? Uh, the Green Bible is what this is. Now, there's all kinds of Bibles out here. This is not a new translation, all right? This is the new Revised Standard Version. Been around for many, many years. But it is a, it is a, it is a uh, more or less uh, an affinity Bible or a Bible that has a, a particular focus where instead of all the letters that are of, of Christ being in red, uh, all those letters that refer to creation or God's creation or God's order or how God uses metaphorically creation in his story uh, from, from Genesis to Revelation and different things like that, everything is written in green. Now, there's every kind of Bible out there today, lest you think that, that this is some kind of heretic Bible. There's the Serenity Bible. There's the Men's Bible. There's the Women's Bible. There's the Military Bible. There's, there's uh, every kind of Bible. There's a 12-step Bible. There's the Promise Keeper's Bible. There's the Interpreter's Bible. There's every kind of Bible. Now, granted, it's a marketing element. But it's where those who are wanting to focus on a particular area, uh, God speaks to so many areas of our life, and this is one of those areas that God speaks to in the, era, in the area of uh, His creation, His order. Now, what I am not going to be talking about today, because I am way, way underqualified, is whether or not there's a hole in the ozone. I'm not going to be talking about today whether or not there's global warming and the melting of the ice caps and whether or not we should watch out for spotted owls. I am not intelligent enough, uh, nor do I have the information uh, at my disposal to interpret, even if I had it, to be able to speak to that. I can't speak to that. I really don't think that, that, I, uh, that uh, there's a lot of different opinions out there, and I'm going to let the scientists debate that, all right? And I would encourage you to do the same thing. I think some of the politicians should, too, turn it over to maybe some of the scientists to debate that element. But what I do want to focus on is that I think the Bible is very clear enough to say that we need to develop a theology of ecology. That there's a theology of worship, God studying God in his worship, or studying God in so many other areas. But I think that there needs to be an ecology or a theology of ecology of studying God in his creation. That it's really not a political issue. It's more of a biblical issue. And so today, I know that as soon as I even launch into this, I, I debated about how to go into this message. There's either going to be someone who says, finally, the church is saying something. And there's others in this room who say, oh, gosh, what a waste of my Sunday morning. There'll be some who'll say, oh, I hear this all week long about sustainability, about green, and it's just so politically driven. And you know what? I, I'm not even going to go there. What I want us to do is I want us to understand it, again, from what the Bible has to say about God and His creation. 
and what the Bible has to say to us. And here's a couple axioms that I want you to kind of get down, to just kind of let this be the foundation. And this is from the book of Genesis chapter 1. So where else if you're going to study creation? Where else if you're going to develop an ecology of theo- uh, theology of ecology? Where else better to go than Genesis chapter 1? So be finding Genesis chapter 1. It won't take you long, hopefully. If you do, you get lost. Go back to the front and begin there again. I bet you'll find it real quick. Genesis chapter 1 is where we're at. And as you think about this, I want to give you a couple of axioms. The very first axiom is that we have a creative God. All right? We have a very creative God who created. All right? I, now, I am one of those that, uh, whether you believe in the gap theory or the, the seven literal days, or you believe in an evolutionary theory, I'm a creationist. I believe that God created the heavens and the earth, as the Bible says. I do not believe that this is a science book. Okay? This is not a science book. It doesn't tell us necessarily how he created it. But I'll tell you this, when it does speak to science, it is accurate. It is accurate. When everybody else was thinking the world was flat, the Bible was already declaring that it was round. All right? So I'm, I'm saying that what we need to do is we need to get in and study his word, and we'll find out a lot of our misconceptions about this world is actually answered in Scripture. And so I believe that we have a creative God who created something out of nothing, and if it's the big bang at the end of the day, I guarantee it was his voice that was the bang, okay? And I believe that God created, my personal conviction is that God created seven, in seven days he created the heavens and the earth. And he created all that was on it. And so it was an amazing story, and I can't unpack it, and I can't tell you how it was all done. But it, I'll, again, leave that to the scientists to uncover what God has done, all right? They're not going to create God. They're not going to disavow God. They, they can try to wipe God off the scene, but I believe that God is very much a part of the big picture. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The word created there is the word bara in the Hebrew. Now, that's a key, key word there because it's, it's used five different times in this one chapter alone that, that God created the heavens and the earth, that God created this, that God created that. Five different times in one chapter, that's a very key word in this passage. Now, the key thing about that, that is a verb, and the only subject ever attached to that verb in the Hebrew text is God. It is our God, the God that we worship, the God that we just sang about. He is the God that is able to do what bara speaks of, which the word bara means to create something out of nothing. Everything that we have in this world, everything that I can make and create, I'm taking together, bringing together elements to create something. You know what they say about creativity? It's the, the art of originality is the ability to hide your source. And really, there's nothing new under the sun. And so everything that I might be creative and innovative about, I'm just really beg-stilling and borrowing from other people. But it is our God, the Creator God, who's able to borrow something, make something out of nothing. That's the God that we have. That's the God that we worship. And it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful picture just to study and understand the power behind that word. There's one church that I'm studying in the midst of my dissertation that they have as one of their core values this statement. I think it's a beautiful statement. Creativity is the natural result of spirituality. Creativity is the natural result of spirituality. Now, I can unpack that in a whole message unto itself. But the point is this, is that creativeness, innovation, entrepreneurship, if you will, is an element of spirituality. We have a very creative God who, out of nothingness, 
created everything. All right? That's the axiom number one. Axiom number two is this, that created God is good at what he creates. Now, God is good. He does not create junk. We might make junk, but he doesn't make junk. There are no recalls on anything that God has created. Who are you going to turn it into anyway? I don't know. But as you look through Genesis chapter 1 again, and you unpack element by element, event by event, day after day, creation by creation, you'll notice that again and again and again, verse 4, verse 10, verse 12, verse 18, verse 21, verse 25, and verse 31, it says it is, was good. Everything that God created was good. It was complete. It was, here's that politically word, charged word, it was sustainable. It was able to function. It was able to go on for years on years on years on years, thousands upon thousands of years. When God created it, He stepped back from it and He said, It is good, right, proper, perfect, exactly the way it should be. And He created this ecosystem. He created this world. He created the stars and the galaxies. He created our earth. And he made it exactly what it needed to be so that it could recycle itself, so it could keep itself going, so it could, could sustain itself throughout all time. In fact, I'll tell you this, it was when mankind entered into the picture that we began to mess things up. Yours and my father and mother, Adam and Eve, they kind of did something, as you know, was not exactly according to God's plan. And what was introduced at that point into God's creative perfect order was something that God did not intend to be there. And it's not just sin. It's the effect of sin. It's death. Death entered into his creative order, and all of a sudden what was perfect and good and right and sustainable, all of a sudden now is flawed and imperfect and potentially unsustainable. So we have a creative God who created We have a creative God who created everything, and everything that He created, it was beautiful, it was good, it was right, it was perfect. But I want to give you one more axiom that you've got to hang on to. It's really our challenge of the day. And that is this. is that creative God made mankind the manager of His creation. The manager of His creation. Now, again, as you unpack the book of Genesis chapter 1 and you read through it, you'll read how he saved, I would say, the best for last. He did not create us until this earth was sustainable. Then he created us and he put us in this earth. And he wasn't finished with creating just mankind. He created mankind, uh, man, and then he created woman. Then at that point he said, this is good, this is right, this is proper, this is the right order. Not man and man, but man and woman, he put them together. And he said, this is the right way it should function. This is the right order of events. And he created us as managers of his creation. And you can, you can look through verse 26 all the way through verse 31, and you can see how in this creation of mankind, he created, now listen, this, this is powerful. When it, when it dawned on me, the power of this next statement, I knew at that point, this needs to be a message. It's a message after 20 years of being in the ministry I've never shared. and, and, And I say that not in pride, but in confession of my own lack of study, lack of obedience. I want you to understand this. 
that the very first command, the very first command, the very first directive that God gave man was not to create a family, was not to create a government or a church, was not even to evangelize the world. Obviously, at that time, they didn't need a world evangelization or missions. The very first command that he gave them was to manage and tend to his earth, his creation. And you can read with me in uh, verse 28, it says, God blessed them. He blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply. Now, we've got that one under, under control, all right? When one family joins Grace Point Church, we've got about four other tag-alongs that come with them. Is about what we figure at Grace Point. You know, there's lots of multiplication, and that's great. We know our math there. And then he also says, but fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. So I want to say to you today that this whole concept of sustainability, green is God green, all that kind of stuff, I want to say this is not a political issue. This is a biblical issue. And if we don't understand it from a biblical concept, we can easily be sucked into the political side, to the, the, uh, the politically correct side that are, of our businesses, or even the theologically incorrect side of worshiping earth. So if we would understand it from a biblical side and understand that God taught us not only to multiply on this earth, but to subdue and to have dominion. And the idea that dominion means to manage, means to rule, means to govern, means to lead. It doesn't mean to own. It doesn't mean to destroy. It doesn't mean to ride it hard and put it up wet and let the next generation deal with our problems. It means for us to think about what we're dealing with, what God has entrusted to us, and to really think that one through. Verse chapter 2, verse 15, he says this, He put them in the garden, Adam and Eve, obviously, to work it and to take care of it and to keep it. There are two domains that basically we see in his creative order. We see the ecosystem domain. We see it mentioned throughout whenever he's talking about in verse 29 he he says and I see I've given you the plants and the uh, yielding seed and upon the face of the earth and every tree and the seed uh, of the fruit and you shall have it for your food and Verse 30, and to every beast of the earth and to every bird of the air and to everything that creeps on the earth and everything that has breath of life, I have given every green plant for your food. Now, what we have done in our lack of theology, of ecology, is we have taken that idea of given, 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 I've given, I've given, I've given as ownership. It's never meant to be ownership. It's always meant to be stewardship. We think our paycheck is our ownership of our money. Noah, <laughs> you read the Bible again, every dime we have belongs to God. We think our life is our life. It's not. It's not. God knows every breath that you take and knows the last one you will take. Our life is not our own. Our money is not our own. This creation is not our own. It's been given to us to manage. It's been given to us to maintain. And if you read here, there's that first domain of ecosystems, but there's the second domain of mankind. 
that He's put us here on this earth. In verse 28 again, if I take you back there, He said, and God blessed them, and God said to them, and then He said what He said. And I've read that already. The point is this, is that God gave us charge. He gave us responsibility. I'll say to you like this, the highest order of creation, that's you and me, has the highest responsibility placed on us. The highest order of creation must now look out for all other, all other of the creation. We are the, of highest responsibility. I want to ask you two questions. And let these be two questions that you process through your life as you look at your life today. Are you ready for a number one question? Is what am I doing to extend the sustainability of God's earth? Again, I want to tell you that there's two different thoughts on this theologically or philosophically. There's the theist view that God created it all, and we need to understand that we are stewards of it. We are managers. We have been given charge not to do with it what we will, but to maintain it in a sustainable way. That is a theist view, okay? That's, I think, a thorough biblical view. There is a view out there that you must be highly cautious of. It's called panentheism. It's that, that God is in creation, that he is the substance of creation, so that when you cut down a tree, you are cutting down God. That whenever you, uh, when, a, when a spotted owl dies, a part of God dies. Whenever we, when we throw our rubbish, our trash into the earth, that we are throwing it into the heart of God. That's pantheism, that God is in his creation. And I, what I can say about that is I see God's fingerprints in creation, but I don't see God in creation. When I see a beautiful scenery, when I see great things below the earth or above the earth, or the surface of the earth, I have seen God's handiwork. I have not seen God. And you've got to be careful because in the day and age of, of so much of this theology or philosophy that's preached, You've got to be careful that you don't get sucked into to the wrong thing. And, you know, it's, it's, it's ironic in, in the midst of studying for this message that we throw away 500 diapers a second in our culture. All right? 500 diapers a second. And I put this uh, on my Facebook and had some interesting comments back. Somebody said, well, what we should do, keep them or what? Well, the reality is, is that whenever, whenever you uh, throw them away, that diapers never decompose what they're telling us, okay? The diapers never decompose. So just think about it like this, that three generations from now, our great-great-grandchildren are going to be out kicking around dirty diapers, petrified diapers may they be, I don't know. But as we think about what we throw away, what we do, are we thinking from a manager's perspective? Are we just carelessly, thoughtlessly throwing things away? As we do what we do, are we thinking at it from a biblical perspective? Psalm 24, 1 and 2, it's hard to argue with this one, my friends. The earth is the Lord's. Well, hold on. He gave us all that stuff in Genesis. He gave, he gave, he gave, uh uh-uh. He gave stewardship. He gave management. He did not give ownership. He maintains the title deed of this planet. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world, and all who live in it. For he founded it upon the seas and established it above the waters. Even when God created this world, He not only gave us rest, He also designed in Leviticus chapter 4 that the earth would have rest. And again, I don't have time to even begin to develop this, but in Leviticus 4, He said every seven years you ought to let the earth rest. And there was a time whenever... uh, 
whenever God allowed the Israelites to be taken into Babylonian captivity and they were taken away from their motherland. And literally the Bible says in Chronicles, Second Chronicles chapter 36, verse 21, it says, The land enjoyed its Sabbath rest. God actually created this earth to have rest. He created you to have rest. He created His creative order that it would be sustainable and ongoing. There's so much I can say, but we have become such consumerist in our culture. And you've heard me talk about simplify, 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 and I really think we've got to take this to heart, not only for our own sanity, but maybe, maybe, just maybe, for the own sustainability of the earth that we pass on to the next generation. Here's just a few statistics that we produce in America alone, 63,000 trash trucks loads of garbage every day. If you line them up, it would be halfway to the moon. During the holidays, we produce an extra 5 million tons, 4 million in shopping bags and wrapping paper alone. We pump 14 billion pounds of waste into the ocean. We produce 80% more trash than we did 15 years ago. Let's just look at our garbage. We're producing more, consuming more, and we're throwing it out as if it really doesn't matter. When really we might want to think about three simple words, reduce, reuse, and recycle. Three simple words. How can we do that? I don't know. I think it's going to be different for every one of us. I'm not. I'm out of the the diaper gig, okay? So I can talk about dirty diapers all day long. If you're the one dealing with the dirty diapers, I don't know what to tell you. All I can say is that we've got to start thinking. Because I wonder if maybe we're missing it. There's, I have more in my notes here. I can remember a, a trip to, to China. The only time I've ever been to China, I went to several cities, but one of the cities was Fushun, China. And it was in the northern part of China, and I can remember being in my hotel room every day and looking out into smog. Into smog. Never saw the sun the entire time we were in Fushun that I can remember. Never saw a blue sky. It was just smog. An industrial city, just smog after smog. It was dirty. It was nasty. People would wear masks as they would walk just because just so they couldn't breathe. And I think, you know what, if we don't at some point in our world, in our lives, that's in China, this is America, well, you know what, if it's because people stood up and said, this is not right, that we have laws in America. And we've got to look at our own generation and say, what are we doing to extend God's creative order? Because God uses His order. He uses His creation. Romans chapter 1, verse 20 says, For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see His invisible qualities. God literally, listen to this, God uses as a link in the chain of a person's faith His creative order. And if we mess up His creative order, are we not in part messing up a chain, a link in the chain of His creation? Again, this is not a political issue. I believe it's a biblical issue. God uses His creation 
Psalm 19, verse 1, he says, The heavens tell of the glory of God. The skies display His marvelous craftsmanship. You know what? One of the most beautiful places on this planet is in the middle of an African bush. And unless you've been there, you don't know what I'm talking about. And you look into the sky and all you see are gazillions of stars. You see Milky Way. You see Southern Cross. These things, I go to sleep under the skies looking for. I long for that. I miss that. In the midst of all of our asphalt still and lights, we don't see it. Our creation sometimes have robbed us from some of the very things God created to use as His witnessing tool. John Calvin even weighs into it. He says, creation is quite like a spacious, splendid house provided, filled with Exquisite and at, uh, with the exquisite and at times the most abundant furnishings, everything in it tells us of God. Here's the second question for you. Not only what are you doing to sustain God's creation, but what am I doing to ensure the sustainability of my life, not our own lives? When God created us, He made us in His likeness. Here's just some interesting facts for you. In 1901, before climate control, motorized fast cars, vehicles transported, all that kind of stuff, our nation was the healthiest of 100 nations. We were the healthiest of 100 nations. Since that time, 1970, we went, it's 69 years later, in all of our advancements, we dropped to 41st out of 100. In 1981, according to this study, we dropped to 95th out of 100. Now, in all of our advancements, that's not the prettiest picture on earth. In fact, if you kind of come back and you correlate that with some other of our advancements in this world, it was fast food. There wasn't any fast food in 1901. There were $0 spent on it. But in 1970, the U.S. spent $6 billion on it. In the year 2000, we spent $110 billion on it. Do you see what's happening? As we continue to seek after comfort, after comfort, after comfort, we're getting fatter and more out of shape, and we're not taking care of His creation. It happens so subtly that we just kind of blow past it. We've got to realize that when He created us, we were the only thing of His creation that He said, let us, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, make man in our image. Make man in our image. So we literally are His only created order to be made in His, in his image. We've got to think about the way that we live, and so much of it is ruled by our appetites. Paul talks about it. When he's talking about the church in, in Philippi, and he's, or excuse me, uh, excuse, yeah, church in Philippi, he says that uh, their their stomach was their god, and their glory was their shame, and and then if you read on in uh, in in First Corinthians chapter nine, he talks about how he makes his body a slave, makes his body a slave. What if we took that mentality the way that we lived our life? Because I'm afraid Proverbs twenty three twenty is so. True. He says, do not carouse with drunkards or feast with gluttons, for they are their way, on their way to poverty. And too much sleep clothes, clothes them in rags. Now let me just say this. It's the only time I've ever seen 
and it's obviously Scripture that's doing it. Gluttony and drunkenness in the same verse, side by side, made equivalent to one another. Now, we would look at drunkenness and we'd say, that's wrong, that's wrong, that's wrong. But we wouldn't necessarily in our culture look at gluttony as wrong. But the Bible literally puts them side by side and stands them side by side. How much are we looking at our lives as our life to do with what we want when we want? And how much are we saying, you know what? God has allowed me to manage even my own life for His glory. God wants to use us. We are His only creation created in His image. Now I have to admit, I had a struggle with this message coming into it. Knowing that all of the presuppositions and all of the, uh, the I already knows and I don't want to hear about global warming. And you know what? I only said that I wasn't going to talk about it, and I'm not. But I do think that we need to start a conversation with ourselves and with others. And we need to ask ourselves the question, am I hindering the link and the chain between God and man? What am I doing to help sustain that? And what am I doing in my life to help my life to reflect the very image and likeness of God? I want our ushers to come at this time. They're going to pass our offering basket. We're going to close with watching a video. Because our response time today is really a response time that only starts here. It doesn't end here. It starts here in the sense that I hope today if all I can do is raise your awareness, then let it be that. But let it also be something that takes you further. Y'all go ahead at this time. But as we watch this video, let this video be just an opportunity for you to think about God's created order, both the earth and yourself. And just exactly how are you doing in keeping this earth and keeping yourself going as a witness for Him? Watch the video. 